Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome to ESSR Feature. It is me, it is Sarah, and this week we are taking a look back at what is arguably one of the worst pay-per-views to ever grace the life of a wrestling fan. Yes, the day has come, guys. It is the first week of December, so of course we are looking back at ECW's December to Dismember 2006. (laughs) The whimpers of all wrestling fans everywhere. But quickly before I introduce my panel who will join me for this painful, painful journey, just a little bit of housekeeping. So if you are a returning listener, welcome back. Nice to have you back. Join us in the pain. You can be one of us. If not, if you are new to the show, first of all, why did you pick this one to be your first show? But just make sure that you are going to hit that subscribe button and make sure you keep up to date with all our current goings on by following us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are at Superlex Retweet. We also have our Facebook community page, which we have bi-weekly or weekly, depending on how the boat is feeling, goes questions. Um, where David Campbell will ask a random question and that will get spoken about on that week's episode of Central. And now we have also started up regular content on our YouTube channel where we get up to many a fun things, including Book It hosted by Daniel Campbell. We also have The Conspiracy Theory that is hosted by Alan McLucas, as well as our infamous quiz showdowns. And at this point, I want to just quickly plug that the greatest quiz showdown of all time. No, I'm not talking about quiz showdown 10, Paper Snow or Ghost. I am talking about quiz showdown 16, Oh My God, We're Back Again, which is hosted by myself. When I took my panel and my contestants on a trip in my time machine back to the 90s and early 2000s. And it's been out for a couple of weeks by now. So if you're a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, don't worry, that quiz showdown will be happening at some point. And coming this month, we have Quiz Showdown 17, Christmas Ain't Easy, hosted by Scott McLeod. So make sure you check out that when it happens. But to introduce my painful panel for this evening. Victims, like- here's the correct word, <laughs> victims. Victims. Well, this first panel is just quite like Matt Stryker. He can't get anyone to sit on his face apart from himself. It is Callum Bennett. Uh, that is um, unexpected. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, before uh, we go any further, I would like to say that this pay-per-view has quite frankly changed my life, really opened my eyes to what true pure professional wrestling is. And by pure professional wrestling, I mean so pure, I wanted to be in the ground. <laughs> That's one way to put it, Callum. And my other panellists that I have brought along this painful journey I have never a nasty thing to say about him. He is the producer extraordinaire that is Daniel Campbell. There is nothing bad to say about me. However, we have plenty of bad things to say about the show. And <laughs> speaking of the show, I had to watch this in preparation with Thoris and my poor fiance, Pamela, our 365 champion, currently reigning, uh, had to suffer through this. And I have been asked to read a statement On behalf of her, the statement follows as such. 
Currently, in 2021, many great issues affect the daily lives of people around the world. There are countries affected by war, poverty and sickness. People suffer every day. However, there is an issue that does not get addressed as much as it should. And that is the fact that these countries are able to watch ECW December to Dismember on their WWE Network subscriptions and no person should ever have to suffer that. More needs to be done to raise awareness of this issue and it is my hope that this statement and the episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet covering the topic will help cure the world of ECW December to Dismember. Cheers, pal. I mean, never such true words have been spoken. So emotional. <clears throat> I, I hope that message is loud and clear to everybody and then make sure you get it to all the corners of the world. Save us. Save everybody. Save the children. Do what Jericho couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Still okay. <hurts>. Bye, guys. <laughs> okay, okay. It's okay. <laughs> Try and save this. If not, join us for the roasting of ECW December to Dismember. But we are looking, it is now going to be 15 years since that pay-per-view. And if you Google it, this match is often the punchline for, you know, the joke of worst pay-per-view of all time. Shambles, it has been called. Clusterfuck is another word by our esteemed panel, as well as such things as boring and people wishing that they could just go back in time and not actually go to the show. Because, you know, we like car wrecks and we love train wrecks that eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. So why not make ourselves miserable and watch one while it happens? But guys, this event, for some reason, WWE production are always really good at making an arena look full. Despite the fact that this is only, what, 4,800 people in attendance. And it only received about 90,000 pay-per-view buys when it actually happened. Now, considering that this was a show that had two advertised matches, one including being the main event of the Extreme Elimination Chamber, Callum, what would be your take on just the fact that, you know, 4,800 people decided to opt in and try and make sure that this was not going to be the worst night of their lives, but they were solely mistaken? I'd say that for the 4,800 in attendance, uh, now, I solely believe and hope to God that the attendance was free and nobody had to pay a ticket to this show because if so, those poor, poor bastards um, is the worst buy rate of any pay-per-view ever. It's awful. There's nothing to save this pay-per-view. The match he's announced, the main event could have worked, but it didn't. This pay-per-view could... No, who am I kidding? This would not have worked in the slightest. Just bring us back to One Night Stand, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the days of One Night Stand and, you know, the original ECW December to Dismember. It's the only wished that could be as joyful as that. But, Daniel, this was just a disaster waiting to happen, wasn't it? Just because she had two advertised matches and um, even one of them, ECW were like, ah, oh, crap, we need something else. Yeah, I mean, if I was given an option between attending this show and shitting in my hands and clapping. I think I know what I would take. Um, the show was actually so bad. The last time I prepared myself for two hours of hell, it was when I had to sit through a Hogan Knows Best omnibus. Like, that's how bad we're talking. Honestly, it was like watching a colonoscopy because everything I saw was shit. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. There was just 
what could have been the saving grace was obviously the main event, but we'll get a little bit more into that when we actually come to it. The only other decent match on the card was the actual opening match between Eminem and the Hardy Boys. But two ECW legendary tag teams, we may, we must clarify this. Their wars over the years with the Dudleys, with Raven, Tommy Dreamer, oh my goodness, there is so much to... Wait, hang on. No, I'm getting confused. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, this was basically, there was a couple of feuds that were going into this, but then it only really happened the week before when Eminem attacked the Hardy Boys. And this is when Jeff Hardy is Intercontinental Champion at this time as well. Um, which was probably like one of the more saving graces of the fact that he was a draw, Matt was a draw, and Molina's um, entrance was a draw, we'll say that. But I spent most of this match legitimately sitting in front of my TV screaming back at Molina. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually was. It's, it's like if a dog starts barking, you bark back at it. <laughs> but she was screaming, I just started, I'm sitting in my flat. At, you know, one in the one thirty in the afternoon, screaming at two thousand six yeah. Molina. Yeah, I've, I mean, I even found myself like just thinking. I mean, paper pay per views celebrate the best of a brand and the wrestlers who are on it, and it featured someone like ECW December to this member featured a guy in a high profile match who is so used to doing stupid things and getting high. So if you think about it, Jeff Hardy was in his element. Have you made it to the venue? Nobody knows. <laughs> Just Matt Hardy with a wheelbarrow. Come on, Jeff, we'll get there. <laughs> Off we go. Going to the moon. <laughs> I mean, that's goes, probably how he felt half the time in the match. Like, I'm going to the moon before Cameron Grimes even got near that thing. Cameron Grimes actually owns a DeLorean. Not many people know that. That's how he got there. <laughs> but honestly, I think besides Molina screaming, there wasn't even much noise for this match until you know the infamous drop kick that johnny nitro just takes Molina down and that that got the crowd going mm-hmm. it got the crowd popping because you know a, a woman getting drop kicked by john morrison it just it seems to do it for everybody but domestic abuse <laughs> wrestling's old staple <laughs> and this even came at a time that you know the the divas were not even basically wrestling i mean We'll we'll talk about that much later on as well with our intergender match, but yeah. like the actual <laughs> match itself, for a show starter, I would say it was it was a solid match. It's what you'd expect from an opening match on a pay per view. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add um, to you know what could like was literally yes, right? We're gonna watch this. It's with two tag teams, and that's it. Mm, well, I'll throw my hat into the depressing ring that is this pay-per-view and say that the only thing I could really think to make it better uh, would be absolutely nothing. I um, I have in my notes here that uh, this is the best match of the night, bar none. Uh, oh my god, they get so much worse. Uh, I'm only here for Molina. So, match was good, solid wrestling, you know, but Jesus Christ, like, this was like the peak and it goes down and down until there's a crash and i can't believe you made me watch this right don't you dare blame me you put your name down for the show to begin with because you did this to your you did this to yourself (laughs) we blame three people (laughs) we blame three people for this their names are david campbell alan mclucas gary kernan 
So, guys, <laughs> you've got a lot Gary, to answer for. Gary can do no wrong, though, so... Okay, so David and Alan, you guys have a lot to answer for. Yes. <laughs> you guys have a lot to answer Plus, Gary, unfortunately, wasn't able to make this recording, so he would have actually sat through, you know, this monstrosity with us and joined in our pain. He does the bullet. So he, yeah, he did, he did dodge a bullet, but Daniel, like, see for this match, especially when it came to, like, it was 2006, Christian wasn't even back to save what was left of ECW <laughs> at the time as well. The floundering mess that Paul Heyman was trying to keep control of, and Vince McMahon's like, no, I want this, this is some good shit. It shows you kind of how bad it is that they have to call in like a tag team who aren't even affiliated with ECW in any way. <laughs> yeah. In fact, both teams weren't even on the brand. But no. as far as I'm aware, like Eminem and the Hardys were both raw tag teams on yep. at the, the at the time of the show. That's how bad we're talking here. Note they compete for the SmackDown tag titles later in the month, but let's just ignore that. Um and also Mercury's face. Uh but just think as well. This match, like it was a great match. I'm not gonna like deny that. It was great, but I'm going to read out, so these are my notes that I made during the show, because much like Callum, like ev everyone listening to this will gather very quickly. This is a roast of December to this member. We want to just rip this thing to shreds. So here are my notes for this pay-per-view so far. But to spare a thought for the poor Spanish commentary team who had to sit through this monstrosity of pay-per-view. And to those guys, I say, lo siento mucho por ti, ambos se merecen algo mayor. You guys deserved a lot better times, feel sorry for you. The best match of the night, it wasn't even ECW guys. We had Taz cutting jokes about Michael Cole potentially being gay. It's so, so 2006, that's your typical crap back then. And then how bad does it get? There's a trigonometry sign in the crowd. Even trigonometry hates December to dismember. <laughs> uh, I think um, like Taz and Joey Styles were probably like one of the, the peaks of this pay-per-view as well like we all know that and that's Taz a pretty low peak as well <laughs> i mean taz has gotten better with his commentary over the years i mean what he's like now when he does dark when he has no script it is amazing oh yeah and he just he just sings like i would like that version of taz to you know jump in a time machine or you know take eddie kingston's back um you know back fist to the future or back to the past mm. send him through time like he did to that boy in shakara <laughs> and take us back <laughs> I, I mean, oh. Taz's commentary, like, you could hear them have, like, literally, it felt like Taz and Joey were just trying to pop each other just to get through the thing. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't <laughs> really much else to do apart from, like, they're just like, eh, right, okay, we have to speak words. And I bet this is what I was probably screaming in that you're going, make some shop, make this interesting. Whereas, obviously, see the fans in attendance, I felt so sorry for them. Yeah. So sorry for them. <laughs> A thing we also didn't mention earlier is that 4,800 people in there, that venue can hold a capacity of 10,000. They sold less than half what the building can have. Oh, I, mm. I mean, it kind of feels like when NXT UK were in Glasgow that they pushed everybody to the hard cam side and literally the only people that were sitting on the non-hard cam side, the camera side, was David and Elaine Wilson <laughs> and Thomas Cairns and Simon Cassidy. Those are the only people that were sitting on that side. Everyone else got pushed. To the front cam side um but we'll go on like like that was a solid opening match that's what you'd expect from any form of pay-per-view i mean even eminem versus the hardy boys i would still take that in like 2021 at this time i mean 
I think the only one I have no idea where he is now is, you know, Joey Mercury. No idea where he is. He seems to have gone. Don't know where he went. Pretty sure he was on the Indies last I heard. Uh, It'll be somewhere. But the next match, we have what is deemed Strikers Rules match. And it is Matt Striker, you know, with his face on his trunk so he could sit on his own face. (laughs) Uh, And Balls Mahoney in what is quoted as no gouging of the eyes, no pulling of the hair, no manoeuvres off the top rope, and most importantly, no foul language. Strikers rules. Strikers rules. Talk the balls. (laughs) (laughs) No foul language. How dare you? It was shit. How dare you? I would say the only thing that came from this is that in my in my opinion, Striker was a good heel. He did what he needed to do to, you know, be hated. Especially, you know, this it's something that I Calibre a wrestler you will relate, right? Because it's something that Cole Cabana said at one of his shows about tucking himself so that he doesn't get sexualized while he's in the ring in his trunks. And all I could focus on, and I am I feel bad because I talk about, you know, I feel violated. How dare you sexualize people, bitch? It looked like he fucking stuffed himself. You probably did. You you couldn't take your eyes off it. You're just like, oh my god, it's there. I don't know where to look. And he was getting himself in the mood for pigs and blankets. Pigs and blankets. I said, don't ruin pigs and blankets for me. (laughs) Don't ruin them for anybody. Actually, how dare you? That's because you ruined ECW for me. So you know. I mean, Matt Stryker's um, meeting two veg and the face on the arse was fully on display. <laughs> and it was, it was just, you know, I, hadn't, I was drifting in and out uh, watching this match. And now that you mentioned his uh, is cock flailing in the wind, uh, that's now I'm all going to be able to think about it for the rest of my night. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it ruins my life, I want to make sure it ruins everyone else's. So. I mean, as, a, as a total side note, the finish came out of nowhere. I didn't think the match was going to be over. See when that happened, I was like, "Oh, is that it?" I felt really deflated. I was like, "Oh my god, I've got more matches to go. <laughs> that's a that's a hell. <laughs> this is still the start." The bit I picked up as well is that you notice the cameraman started like standing on the apron for a number of shots because that's when you realise they've clocked onto the fact that everyone can see empty seats in the arena. Yeah. So oh. now they're trying to disguise it. It's like that. It's like. Do you remember like a couple of years ago, the Raw that Undertaker came back to sell the Extreme Rules tag match? Yeah. Hi. Right. You'll notice that they were showing that camera angles quite low. They were doing what I was saying they did this time. That was because they had that low attendance. The top tier was blacked out. Yeah. That's why if you watch the camera angles, they're very tight on everyone. So that's that's what was happening again. They were trying to hide all the blue seats. Doesn't help that they were blue and stood up like a sore thumb, but you know. Yeah, you can clearly tell that this was just a pointless match. I mean, Balls Mahoney, as much as like a tiny wee bit of amateur wrestling, and Matt Stryker could do the basics. Like he could take a bump, he could yeah. do a couple of holds, but Stephen he tried to kick out. He's not got the power yeah. to kick out like a usual wrestler does, you know, and actually get his shoulders off the mat. And I'm no wrestler, but I've seen enough wrestling to know that you can kick off the mat to at <laughs> least have your shoulders lift. To break up info. Uh, before we, we talk about the, the next match, I've got a really good point here. I've put that uh, 
what was the point of this? Make the suffering end. It's over. Thank you, God. <laughs> Striker isn't half bad. Uh, both Mahoney definitely sells and does drugs. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't quite understand what was going on with his gear. Um, I don't think he could understand what was going on with the gear. The gear was <laughs> like, good. You've, you've got a match. This is all I've got. Yeah. That I'll need to do. Out you go. If we're sharing notes, I'll read mine as well. Um, <laughs> Matt Striker's match was so bad, he was kept behind for an hour and forced to write Hardcore Holly as God on the chalkboard 50 times. <laughs> uh, my fidget cube that I got to, you know, just keep myself entertained if I ever get bored and or have an anxiety attack or, you know, my ADHD decides it's going to go, hey, hey, hey. But I was more interested in sitting playing with this damn fidget cube that I've had for six months than I know exactly what it does. But even then, I was like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, it's over. Okay. I just started clucking away again. And I'm sitting there going, this is the first time that I've ever, you know, consciously seen past the first match because every single time I have tried, I fall asleep and it obviously it's imprinted in my mind of what goes on in these matches, but I've never physically seen it. Mm. Um, so having to bear witness to that, I would happily, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to see anymore, so I took my glasses off. <laughs> I was like, I can't deal with this and took my glasses off um, and kind of went in the mood. <laughs> I was just like, absolutely not. And I've got to deal with the rest of the show. I don't, oh. That always like, reminds why? me, that always reminds me of when I was at the, the Raw that was in Glasgow a few years ago. There was somebody like maybe, Five, I think they were maybe up to the other side. Actually, they were like a few away, and they had like hearing aids in. Stephanie McMahon came out, and I just saw them do this. <laughs> just pulled them out. <laughs> I was going to say you were front row of that show as well. Yeah, and I just looked, and I'm like, well, oh, I, I don't know if the camera caught it. I don't think it did, but they caught me a couple of times. I was happy with that. Yeah. That was the last time I ever watched Raw. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you got a good view in the front row, my friend. And again. We have we see a common theme amongst like these filler matches is that they're all basically seven minutes long, and it's it's seven minutes of my life, obviously, among with others that I'm never going to get back. And I could have done something really, you know, meaningful with my time, except I had to, you know, sit and watch old school Matt Striker, which I love him now. I love him now as a commentary guy on Impact, but this this school teacher with his pink fuzzy sweater vest and mm-hmm. Budgie smugglers, just no, absolutely not. The only good absolutely. thing about the the only good thing about the school teacher gimmick is the fact that it's actually based on true events. Yeah, he actually was a teacher and got fired because he got caught skiving to go wrestle shows. Like, <laughs> that, that was that's good. I'll take that, yeah. but doesn't save this match. No, absolutely not. Nothing can save this match. I don't. Maybe apart from maybe it not happening. Moving on to even, the next. I would have one. even taken a rerun of Taboo Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just taken more like more interviews with the guys who are meant to be in the elimination chamber match. Like just just have them chat and go, ah, that's fine. I can deal with that. But this next match, Elijah Bark and Sylvester Turkey, which I actually had to I had to put in brackets next to his name, Turkey, as in Turkey with a U and an A in it, because I was like mm-hmm. I was like, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Against two of the full-blooded Italians. And again, it was more the female that everyone wanted to pay attention to again. Uh, what, what was that, the Trinity, I think? Yes. Trinity, yeah. yes. And 
But at this time, this was essentially what is described as Vince McMahon proper in and fully behind Elijah Burke at this time. Like, it wasn't even too long after he had announced, yeah, this is the guy that is going to be the future of the company. He's going to be a future champion. Not to mention he said the exact same about Drew, like two years later. Um, but this match again was just crickets. Like, yeah. Sylvester Turkey was just there to chat. <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've got a note here and it just also points to the fact that Elijah Burke was wearing a cap for the match, which was interesting. Which does also mean, if you think about it time-wise, David Haltney is currently committing gimmick infringement. Just think about that, people. <laughs> oh my god. I have my, changed everyone's world. Love <laughs> shattering moment. My exact notes uh, for this, like all my other notes, uh, are very short. Uh, th- this one not as bitter, um, a, bit, a, bit, a bit more positive. The only positive thing I've got to say about this match is I'm walking here! Hey, you forget about a gabagool, that's it. That is all I've wrote for that. Goodness <laughs> gracious me. Uh, oh, great, great gimmick, that's it. Uh, just, I was laughing more at a couple of things, like they had the spot where they pit their finishes. So Elijah Burke hits, I basically can say how they are, Elijah Burke hits the stroke, Turkey hits a muscle buster, and you're not surprised at all to hear people yeah. chanting TNA at that precise yeah. moment. I mean, absolutely. The, the match was that bad. Here's my note here. Uh, watching Turkey and Burke versus the FBI. I actually wish somebody pulled the fire alarm, but then again, the alarm would get a louder pop than Turkey did. <laughs> I think at this point, I was wondering how many folk have like either walked out or folk are like thinking about asking for their money back because the ones that are sitting there and they're still full of joy, I'm just wondering how they're doing now in life. So, you see two you people okay? sat there just like hands on the head, just like. This could be worse. I'm kidding on. This could be much worse. <laughs> it could be worse. I mean, a, a, few, a few weeks later, they had to sit through bloody, what's his face, Kevin Federline beating Cena. Oh my <laughs> God, was that that long ago? Yeah, like that happened weeks I mean, later. I was going to say, now, I actually had him on one of my worst celebrity appearances because of that entire thing, which you can go and read on our website, Cheap Plug, mm. um, of... One, it was my countdown of my 10 best and worst celebrity appearances in WWE and Kevin Federline was one of them. Yeah. Okay, Fed. I not deserve that. <laughs> no, I deserve, I deserve worse, in my opinion. Mm. We, we, we say this like the show gets any better from here, but... We're saying this like we can change what's happened already. It's like we can rewrite history. No, we just have to try and find positives. Much like the match that came after this. Where I found uh, myself, but, ri- I found myself rooting for someone who I was not even expecting to root for. Well, see, just even before this match as well, like we'd seen earlier in the night that Sabu had been taken out, and we will talk about that a little bit later after this match. But Sabu was just lying on the ground, and Paul Heyman was like, "What's happened? What's happened? Oh no! This man's meant to be in my main event." <laughs> um, but the next match, I mean, Davari, okay. That's fine, we can work with Devari. Tommy Dreamer, yep, we can work with him. Again, it's a last minute thrown together match. Like, there's nothing special about it at all, except the great Kali actually did something. And he used the site to his advantage and pulled the top rope down so that Tommy Dreamer went flying. I'm not going to lie, I actually popped for great Kali coming out. I've never <laughs> done it before, 
that was the first I've ever popped for the Great Khali. Because if you think about it, it's Davari versus Mister. I'm going to cancel myself in 15 years, and oh. I actually found myself rooting for Davari and Khali. I was like, thank you, Khali. <laughs> ECW original Great Khali over here, you know, with Davari, you know, they went crazy with the Public Enemy back in the day. So I know. last match, my exact uh, <laughs> notes, word for word, is, oh my god, fuck this. I'm losing the will to live. <laughs> Dreamer had no chance, like always. So this match, genuinely, I could have walked away right here. I annually <laughs> uh, phone texted sick, which I never do. Yeah. I, mean, I, do this. I nearly tapped out, you know. I can't do it anymore. It was that bad. I mean, Tommy Dreamer wrestling in a match so bad, I almost forgave him for Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, fuck. Ouch. <laughs> and see, I used to like. I Tommy told you, Dreamer I was coming well. in here with punches. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was honestly, again, seven minutes long. Nothing special about this match whatsoever. And Tommy Dreamer just. It was honestly. You, you you would think it can't get any worse from here. Surely it can't get any worse from here. And, and you know, it and then they, they attack <laughs> top of the ramp, you know, just some great Kelly, just, cur- just casually powerbombing Tommy Dreamer on the top thank of the ramp. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I don't think you would be thanking Kelly, like, but before the dark side of the ring, you'd be like, mm, that's so sad. And now we're just like, fuck Tommy Dreamer. Anything to end the suffering at this rate. Exactly. <laughs> I know, I think at this rate, I was just like, could he just powerbomb me at the top yeah. of the ramp right now? I was like, anything would be better than the pain of this. We get that. And I would like to just point out as well, um, so we mentioned about, is it about now that we get the next segment in the whole like Sabu saga backstage yes. with Damon? I, I'm going to read my note here because I, I want to like, just see Sarah's reaction here. So my <laughs> note here is Sabu gets swapped out for the real Captain Charisma, Hardcore Holly. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> oh, Captain Nee, charisma more like it. Yeah, this is when like a big controversy. This is probably the biggest talking point of the actual pay per view itself, um, because there was a lot of controversy with Sabu around about this time. You know, living it up, old ECW style. Like he was being a pain in the arse backstage. He was high off his nut, he was doing fuck knows what else and being quite difficult to work with. That as a punishment, like, they took the one guy who could actually work an extreme rule, essentially an extreme rules match, and had him attacked backstage and taken away in an ambulance where you have CM Punk and Rob Van Damme pretending to care at this point. <laughs> but. And Dam's just I, like that's for that pullover with the police, you dick. I know. Well, exactly. It, this is this is like the whole controversy. It's like, should they have had them anywhere near the match to begin with? If they knew about his behaviour and were just going to do this, or should they have just actually bit the bullet and just let them have this one match and then taken him off? Because there is an argument for both sides of how zero tolerance policy for you know that kind of shit. But then again, taken away what was essentially one of your main draws for this match. Right. So, my analysis of this is, is I, I'm still on my words because I just want this to be over because like I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> 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 Here, I, I thought our company was enough, Callum. 
Oh no, it is, but I'm fighting the demons that is this pay-per-view. <laughs> I, um, I realised that this pay-per-view is exactly like SmackDown vs. Raw 2008. It's got yes. one good feature, <laughs> the rest of the game's awful, but as a side note back to Sabu, sorry for rambling, why take him out of the match? Fair enough, zero tolerance policy. That was it. If Randy Orton can sh- shite in bags, then like can get away with it. He should be able. Well, maybe not do drugs and that, but why not have him enter first, have him job first? Crisis over. They'd suspend them afterwards. Send them. Well, I say send them home happy. Nobody went home happy from this shit show. I mean, well, we'll, t- we'll definitely talk about people not going home happy um, towards the end of this um, the show. But yeah. Daniel, that is that. It was a good point that Callum made there that they could have just kept him in. I mean, he was the <coughs> one with the most experience when it came to any form of these kinds of matches. Hmm. I mean, um, besides Rob Van Dam, no one else was really accustomed to any form of extreme kind of matches. Yeah, I mean, like his. Sabu could have given them at least maybe one big spot and then maybe make him like first eliminated. That gets him out of there right away. He's had this moment in the sun that gets him out of there. Instead, McMahon goes, Hey, yo, uh, we had that hardcore title years ago, so I know who we'll put in instead. Hardcore Holly. That impression is awesome. Um, I would say that put I'd him like to hear my Jar Jar Binks impression. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna pass in this one. Maybe, maybe next time. I am um, Sabu, right? For all his credit, you know, former ECW champion. He was an NWA champion. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, right? Having let's as an example, let's say uh, Hardcore Holly, but he wasn't in it. But I don't know what the order would be like if Sabu was in it. Let's say as an example, he's in with Lashley. Lashley spears him through one of the pods. Angus uh, Big Show. He's worse than heaviest. And then boom, that's it. It's big, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's so dangerous. Ah, but this, like, do you know, this was, I, I wrote down a like, match, like, two, three, four, so I can keep on track. And see, I was writing that I was losing the will to live. And when I got to, like, when I was getting closer and closer, I thought, power through it, Callum, it's nearly over. But the back of my mind was like, just go to sleep, man. You deserve it. But then I couldn't sleep. <laughs> Because I had nightmares of being in that chamber. Uh, the barbed wire baseball bat. Yeah, Paul, that's really cool. Uh, I know I'm rambling. Sorry about that. Total side note again. I do quite a lot of side notes. Uh, Paul, he <laughs> fired for this show. So, uh, I think, he, like, I know we'll talk about it later in the match. I think the camera pans on him and he's actually crying. So, yeah, it's it's just a horrible shit show of this whole thing. I mean, WWECW, like, it's a brand so weak they were beaten in the weekly ratings by Cheerios. <laughs> I never thought <laughs> Like, nothing could salvage this. There's a reason why Heyman, I, th- I think Heyman was actually glad to go home that night. <laughs> like, that's how yeah. bad we're talking here. But, well, see, oh God. <laughs> this is something else that it was just like that actual backstage uh, segment. Paul Heyman speaking to Hardcore Holly and saying, even though it's every man for himself, obviously we've got space and you're on it. Now we knew that this was down to these being essentially a Paul Heyman guy at the time. But do you guys think that maybe a surprise entrant would have actually made it a little bit more exciting for the fans, even if it had been Hardcore Holly? Because you could hear the groans of as soon as it was like saying you're going to win the match, you're like you could hear them going, "Oh no!" Like 
the only surprise appearance I can really think of realistically, like most ECW legends, like why not get Jerry Lynn in there? Put him and Van Damme in first, instant classic, right? And that, Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn. Like <laughs> my thing is though, right? But I don't know if Lynn was in Ring of Honor at the time though, so that's a bit iffy there. So put Matt Stryker in there, like fuck it. That'd have been funny. Like they'd have laughed at him getting beaten up, but Tracy Smothers. Put Tracy Smothers in there, and <laughs> then everybody dies. It would have been the best show on the planet. But no, no we get hardcore Bob Corey, Spark Plug Holly. So <laughs> hardcore Bob Corey, Spark Plug Holly. Oh my god, that's that's a lot. I'm going to remember that. Um, I'm going to remember that. Uh, <laughs> I think if I was going to replace, if I was going to have, have someone else go in that chamber, there's only one logical conclusion. Just to go in with Vince McMahon's vision of it, and that is Hornswoggle. Ah. Oh. <laughs> like, if like Vince's thing was off the rails before the train even got people going on it. Like that's how yeah. bad we're talking here. It was okay, like it was one of the very few backstage segments, and you're just like, I'm bored now. Come on, this can't get any worse than you know, hardcore Holly of all people. You're like. <gasps> The only reason he's in is because hardcore is in his name when, you know, he's one of the least yeah. hardcore people I've ever come across. Like, I would say there's one worst backstage segment and they play they play it like before the main event starts and it's this Lassie interviewing Bobby Lashley. First oh, off, Rebecca. where did yeah, where did they find her? Like, I thought, I thought for a moment, like, if you close your eyes, close your eyes and play that segment and it genuinely can pass as Bobby Lashley being interviewed by Siri. <laughs> Something that um, in my notes for that particular segment was that for once Bobby Lashley had more charisma than somebody else. <laughs> what? Within this match? <laughs> I mean, right, Sarah, I don't know. How, we may have to rethink the future quiz showdown plans after this. I, I don't know how you feel about this. Like, how can Lashley have more? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like the one and only time I'm just like, oh my god, he's actually got a little bit more charisma than somebody else in the room. Because let's just face it, Bobby Lashley's never really the frugal guy, hence why he's always had, you know, somebody with them. Yeah, I mean, he's either had, he's either got MVP doing a solid job doing promos, or he's got Leo Rush telling everyone, look at his ass. And pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, at least it's not mixed tag match bad, eh? Ah, well, thinking of mixed tag match, another monstrosity Mm -hmm. that has just been thrown in of where we have Kelly Kelly and her very, very jealous boyfriend and very abusive boyfriend in Mike Knox taking on the vampires of Ariel and Kevin Thorne. Yeah, I I wrote this down as... um... I have two things. I have Mike Knox. I say come in. Uh, I then also have my yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a goat for that one. Take it or leave it, David. Um, and my I actually wrote this down under a different name. So I have um, up next is Dark Mordecai and rejected concept for the Hex Girls and Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost uh, versus Aces and Eights member number four and Kelly Kelly. <laughs> I I have written down here. Um, Normal, normal Ariel uh, and Kevin Vampire Dude versus uh, Kelly Kelly in quarter past ten. 
because if you notice, it knocks his pose, you know. So, right. But yeah. Uh, this match is, uh, I think, the, the shortest note I've wrote is a, uh, it's almost over, question mark. Um, this is the battle of the goths and the popular kids with arsehole boyfriends. So, this, this was the final match before the main event, right? You know, get them hyped, get them warmed up for it. This made me genuinely want to jump in front of uh, cars outside uh, my house because, my Christ, guys, this was <laughs> awful. Worst show, the worst match of the show. I mean, hey, they're all pretty bad besides the first match, but <laughs> it's just, you know, like, the more I think about it, Kelly Kelly was in WWE for far too long. Like, she was... There was rumours of her, you know, sleeping around, you know, don't want to throw accusations, but that's probably true. But I know that just in, like, the whole the storyline of her fancying CM Punk, you know, like, and she's going out with, like, quarter past ten over here, like, who, who books this shit? Who? Do you know, I'd love to it's be a... some good shit. Brother. I'd love to be a guy on the wall while booking this pay-per-view just to see the shine in their eyes fade honest to god see see as soon as this match was over I instantly had skipped right to the main event because I couldn't couldn't take any more interviews (laughs) I couldn't take any more waiting around and seeing sad faces in the audience Um, this pay-per-view made me sad and I get sad watching wrestling I nearly cried you know lots of things in wrestling but this nearly brought me ugly crying like grown man tears and a ball level of crying. This was by far the worst pay per view ever, and it's not over yet. Like that's what made it worse. I was like, this is like, what was it like, nearly three hours long? And I thought, not even that. <laughs> not even that. Oh, thank God, it felt like it. Two hours and twelve minutes. It yeah. Felt like for me, I am. Um, I can. I watched this in one sitting. How? God, God knows. But it's just. The more I think about this, it's A, why did I sign up to watch this again? It's the third time I've watched it and this probably made me laugh because I, I laughed through this pay-per-view because it's almost over but still so long. I just watched that match and all I'm thinking is somewhere out there, Bradshaw, Trish Stratus, Jackie Gaeta and Chris Nowinski all of a sudden don't feel bad about their match in 2002. <laughs> A match that um, JR famously said, and mercifully, it's over. <laughs> it does actually make you wonder, like, why they even bothered with this pay-per-view anyway. Because you have all these thrown-together matches with legitimately one reason to have this pay-per-view. is because they wanted that Elimination Chamber match. But my notes from the Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox and Ariel and Kevin Thorne was, this is just an absolute mess. Oh my god, I can't stop watching it. I want to look away, but I can't. Mm. Oh my god, it's getting worse. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. And it was just the fact it got uglier and uglier as time went on. And even when you had an experience of the women tagging in, that this is when that whole Mike Knox has set Kelly Kelly up to fail because he was jealous that she was falling in love with CM Punk, that he just abandons her and you're like, Mate, mate, 
you're fucking punching regardless. You're never going to get any better than Kelly Kelly in terms of looks because you do. You look like you've been through the meat grinder. And Stephen Wilson on Creator Wrestler. <laughs> but it's just the fact that this, it doesn't even get any better after the match. It's just the fact that they beat down Kelly Kelly. No one's going to come out to save her. Everyone's chanting for CM Punk. You're like, CM Punk's got a little bit fucking more in his mind than Kelly mm-hmm. Kelly. To have Sandman enter, you're like, here, he would have been a good a good person for the Elimination Chamber. <laughs> it's, like when you're, it's like when you're having problems at school and your drunk dad thinks he can come and help. Like That's <laughs> essentially what this is. Uh, it, it, was just, it was just a train wreck, but it's the sort of thing that you can't look away when this sort of things happen that you just have to keep watching. You're like, oh my god, I wish I could look away, but I just can't. I just can't. And thankfully, they just luckily cut it away and went to like, the last minute like interviews and everything and like, yeah. you know, Rebecca speaking to Bobby Lashley that yeah. 90 minutes that we had endured and the pay-per-view was just getting to the main event after 90 minutes. When you when you sit and look at pay-per-views nowadays, pay-per-views are at least three hours to four hours long and this yeah. is barely just hit the hour and a half mark. Like, before the Elimination Chamber has started. Yeah, like, I had a look at the run times of pay-per-views through the year, like non-WrestleMania pay-per-views, and they're averaging at least like two hours, 45 minutes. So this is like getting to the main event way before most pay-per-views that year would even be thinking of the main event. <laughs> like, alarm bells, people. I think it just seems at seven, they just got a little bit too happy like Monica did in Friends. Seven. Oh, number seven, 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 seven. Like that's just Vince McMahon's number now, by the by the looks of it. Is this just, this you is know, just Linda, I love the number seven. Because <laughs> it's all about the money. In the words of David Campbell, I think the only thing that could have saved this pay per view so far is Linda McMahon in a wheelchair with a chainsaw. <laughs> right. And if you do not know what we are talking about. I cannot remember the exact show that David Campbell mentioned this because he's mentioned it on a few, but do go and listen or even ask the boat yourself where that came from because I think that's the only thing that could have ever saved any pay-per-view, including this one. Linda McMahon in a wheelchair with a chainsaw. It's also the plotline of the Connecticut Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> but yeah, going on to this main event, now essentially just Elimination Chamber match, that's fine. We know what an Elimination Chamber match is. But they had to make sure it fit for an ECW style match. Now, given the fact that the old ECW was dead and buried and nothing could bring that back, even Paul Heyman saying that ECW will live until his final breath, I was like, well, that didn't age very well. The idea of having weapons inside the Elimination Chamber match was the only thing that intrigued me because instead of just being wrestling matches in the steel, you get weapons, and everyone knows I love weapons, I love blood in a match, that this was the only thing that actually kind of made it a little bit better. Um, Not also the fact that, you know, Bobby Lashley having to use a table to break the chains at the top of his pod later on in the match, like that was just stupid. But the thing that really pissed me off the most about this match was CM Punk getting eliminated first, considering he had the biggest pop of the entire night um, when he got released from his pod 
it was stupid not to have CM Punk at least come down to the last three and have Big Show eliminated first because you guarantee a new champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the Big Show says, well, listen. <laughs> my, um, my, my notes here were like genuine, but like, I know I've been fairly bitter about the whole show. This is the most I've wrote. Uh, Sabu's not in it. Oh my god. Hardcore Holly should have been champion. Why not? Because his name's Hardcore. Uh, <laughs> Big Show at his heaviest. Looks bad. Punk lost. Oh my fucking god. Lashley, the new ECW World Heavyweight Champion. And then, to conclude my point, this is the worst, from top to bottom, wrestling show I have ever seen in my entire life. I've seen Heroes of Wrestling, the mighty Maccabee or Mighty McCarp, those Jewish wrestling shows, right? Those are pretty bad. This is the single greatest worst wrestling event I have ever watched in my entire adult life. I've seen a lot of wrestling over my 21 years, right? This, this is, this takes it, this is on the Mount Rushmore of terrible wrestling shows. Probably the ones I've just mentioned, but this, this. Alan, make the show happen. No. <laughs> I will be on that one as well. This <laughs> this show sucked all the ass and all the enjoyment out of me. This see, th- like this show nearly made me stop what they watch wrestling altogether. It's that bad. I I love wrestling with every fibre in my being. Right, this made me realise I've got a love hate relationship with wrestling, and it's this show right here. All capital letters just hate. Like, we could have watched, like, Guilty as Charged. We could have watched any of the other great ones. Like, but no, we had to watch the shittest one. Honestly, this, ladies and gentlemen, uh, viewers of the world, I repeat, and if you don't listen to a single word I say throughout the entire history of me being on this podcast, uh, do not watch this show if you want to have a good day because your day will be fucking ruined like mine was <laughs> you keep saying it's so bad but we have to remind you that you put yourself down for the show nobody forced you I know I did but you know I thought it, I could laugh at, while watching the show and I couldn't I sat there <laughs> deflated like oh so like I was like my point <clears throat> uh, CM Punk now is at the top of his game after being away for so long Elijah Buck's doing wonders in the NWA Sylvester Sylvester Turkey uh, tried to fight Brock Lesnar and he said no. Uh, The Great Kylie is my favourite ECW original. Um, (laughs) Eminem uh, were were great. I mean, Nitro's run in ECW was fantastic after this. Um, Hardy Boys were great. I mean, maybe not all the drugs they did. Probably still do. Um, The mixed tag was shite, but the kicker the match that could have been good and had potential, yes, even the hard quality and it failed miserably. Just, I, I don't, I know I'm rambling, I do apologise, but how do you fuck this up so bad? Like, every, see, everything else was bad. Like, oh, the first match was good, the rest of it was kind of shit. So was the main event, that was good. That That's all you needed, but no, they fucked it up. Like, dude, I'd rather watch Raw now than rewatch this again. And that's saying a lot. Well, I would say 
not entirely ECW's fault because we know what this time, or it's very, very clear to see that this pay-per-view was just set up for failure. Like they did, they did not want anything to do with the ECW brand. It was just an extra brand that to, to make themselves look hardcore. Because obviously the death of the original ECW, and then Vince McMahon went and bought it out. Just it's all so about had, the money. It is all about the money, exactly. And they kind of had to do something. So it's like, oh look, it's their third brand. It's kind of what you know for those couple of years that they deemed NXT hard, like mm. equal, but. Obviously, it's either where people went to die because at this point, CM Punk was the only saving grace when it came to ECW. I think at that point, and then in later years, Christian um, was the saving grace of that ECW brand, which you know, Mr. Captain Charisma Double C's, um, my all-time favorite in the world. He did save that brand, and it's something that Punk should have probably carried on his shoulders, and he did. Punk carried that on his shoulders for the majority of that time and the fact that this also led to part of the pipe bomb that CM Punk had of talking about Paul Heyman because Paul Heyman originally wanted CM Punk to win that match. He didn't want Big Show anywhere near it, he didn't want Bobby Lashley but no, CM Punk didn't look like the champion that Vince McMahon of always dreamed of like Bobby Lashley. Yeah, he looks like a champion. He's a big, strong boy with lots of muscles. He's a big, sweaty man. He's a big, sweaty man, and that still had his eyebrows at that time as well. Like he still had his eyebrows instead of you know losing them and getting them tattooed. I was on. wondering how he looked different. <laughs> uh, no, that's the only. No, this is something. Bobby Lashley does not age. He has looked the exact same since his debut to now. The only difference is that he's got eyebrows tattooed on. Because for a while, when he first came back to WWE, he had no eyebrows. And it's something that really annoyed me until one day he just had eyebrows again. Mm -hmm. But this was more the aftermath as well, because we had a few things that there was an altercation between Paul Heyman, Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon over the actual running of the show. And that it is nothing like Paul Heyman envisioned it, yet he was the one that was on the ECW creative team. He was one of the people that was in charge of doing this. But at the same time, it's appeasing your bosses and it was set up to fail from the start. We knew that Vince McMahon cared nothing to do with ECW. It was nothing to do with Raw. Raw was a big flagship show. Smackdown was the second best and then ECW is where people went to die. Essentially, if Vince McMahon hated you, you went to ECW. And this is what led Paul Heyman to essentially leaving WWE for that, that short time as well. And also there was people that were really, really unhappy with the entire show of it. That This led to Big Show's retirement, right? Given the fact that he came back at No Way Out in 2008. So it's only, he said he was burned out and all this sort of stuff, but he essentially retired and he came back in 2008. And then you had the people like Stevie Richards and Tommy Dreamer essentially wanting to leave and asking for their release. Which, funny enough, they were denied. Everybody was denied this sort of stuff because Vince McMahon wanted to keep his grasp on them. And I don't know if you guys have anything to add for like that bit of what happened after the pay-per-view. Yes, uh, you mentioned the big show retiring and feeling burnt out leads to yeah i know leads to <laughs> the funniest promo i've ever heard now he, he wrestled on that weird like 
Hulk Hogan tour or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was he did Hogan did like I think two two tours of it. I think one face the fire once against Big Show. He once said that Big Show was his slave name. And that he'll, he'll be like Paul White or whatever. So Big Show was saying that the Big Show is his slave name has been burning into my memory and I cannot ever forget it. But ECW died a slow, painful death. This, this was the catalyst that killed it. Like one night, see if you just have went off like at one night stand and ran it from there. Bring in all the originals, bring back the television championship, the tag belts. Do that. Run it that way. Run it as like a, a super indie. Like which it was, do that and it would have succeeded. But no, Vince got his old, really weird, decrepit hands on it, and made it his own, and fucked up, uh, like he has done with every other talent. I mean, ECW had its good points. There were a few, but had its good points. Christian's run was great, but I'm annoyed because it took him from took him away from TNA. Uh, big TNA, mark me. So, ECW man, Jesus Christ, what happened? I'll also point out the fact that Stephen Richards, poor Stevie Richards, such a brilliant talent that he is, actually wrestled the dark match on this yeah. show. He wrestled Rene Dupree. So they two, unfortunately, were not saved from the torture. They were not saved from this as well. But I, I mean, we're talking so much about the play, how it affected everything. This, this is my exact notes of the final match, just for interest. So uh, let's see here. So RVD and Hardcore Holly start out. CM Punk exits his chamber. Time is falling apart. A girl is fleeing from the Daleks in the Dalek sector. The Cybermen have taken over a corner of the universe. Actually, I think I might have started watching Doctor Who at this point instead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I started playing Pokemon, which just to make myself feel better. So, but <laughs> I've got to ask you guys: Is there anything that could have saved this pay-per-view? Are you no. fucking serious? <laughs> Um, there's one thing that could have saved the pay-per-view, and that was the pay-per-view not existing whatsoever. I would um, say the power cut. Yeah, <laughs> I would say I would, everything going down. I would say a fire alarm. Um, but like, <laughs> it's oh, good grief! Like, I think this pay-per-view, honestly, given how ECW was run that first wee while, given that that summer they had a main event where the fans just yelled "change the channel" for like 20 minutes, <laughs> like. Yeah, there we go. Calum now remembers just, oh yeah, that Like, that that should be a vindicator of, I don't think we should do that pay-per-view in December that we're thinking. Put it this way, there's a reason why December to December technically is the last brand-exclusive pay-per-view of the first brand extension. There's a reason for that. It was shite. Um, there's a reason why you don't see them going, oh, we could use that name again for a pay-per-view. Hey, we're doing a pay-per-view in December. What do you call it? Uh, we can call it Simmons's mem. Nah, don't, no, no, we don't talk about that. No, we don't. Also, speaking of being the last ever exclusive pay per view, it is also uh, appears once and only in SmackDown vs. Raw 2008. Yeah. Um, uh, that, I know I'm rambling again, but love hate relationship with that game. Um, first game I ever got for the PS3 was that. Uh, it was Blazing as a Child. Went back and played it and thought, oh my god. Why did I enjoy this so much? But this... No, just... I mean, this features December to December. I should not enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring ECW is it December to... The... No! <laughs> Which, I like, is... I've went back and watched some, like, old ECW stuff, right? Like, Dreamer and Raven. 
Van Damme, Sabu, <laughs> Kali, the Dudleys, it's perfect. Like, ECW had it all and lost it due to uh, checks in the mail. Um, but I don't, I don't, I still don't get, I just don't get it. it like, I think about wrestling 24 7 and it boggles my mind that they messed up the pay per view so badly and how shite attendance, worst buy rate ever, and Van Damme or Punk never won. Like, honestly, like, the writing's on the wall, man. It's mm-hmm. this, this could have been the easiest pay per view. Bring back all the legends. Uh, Masato Tanaka, I'll take you. I don't know if Mike Awesome is dead at this point, but if he's not bringing back him, like, honestly, this pay per view was ass. How those people sat. Imagine, oh, fuck, imagine. Imagine if you bought a ticket to the show and the person next day got in for free, you'd be raging. <laughs> well, I, I know, like, towards the end of this show, despite the TNA chants and, you know, the bullshit chants, they did actually start chatting, where's our refund <laughs> for this as well? And it did come to a very personal fight between Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon, which it was very, very watered down, as for what a lot of people have said. And it was. Oh. It was, like I said, it was just set up and designed for failure. Um, Vince McMahon wanted it a certain way, and also the fact that it was, it felt like too much of a trying to actually imitate old school ECW when it was, that was long gone, dead and buried, cremated, a way to, you know, nice, crispy, crispy, toasty. That it was, oh, there's nothing that could really save this, but I want to ask you. I do this for every single review show that we do, and I want you to do the Unky Dave and give it a star rating. Dud. Minus you get a rating. <laughs> Minus stars. <laughs> it was a dud. It never happened. If we could erase it from our memories, I think we would all be very, very glad to do so. Um, but you know what? I have made you guys suffer enough. And I do want to thank both yourself, Callum, and Daniel for carrying on this horrible, horrible ride that has just happened with us. That right now, I am sitting watching the Scotland game. And you know, Scotland nearly, nearly scored at this time of recording. But next week's show, hopefully, no, not even a hopefully, it will be a much I would say happier and lighter show that we are doing and at the moment we uh, we do not have a host so I cannot say who will be in the hosting chair for that show um, but I will be back on the panel um, for the next show that is coming up and it is a feature show that is going to be on the late great Brody Lee also known as Luke Harper so make sure you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. are tuned in for that and subscribe and just remember to listen to our back catalogue and I will let you know of all the shows that are coming up in the month of December. Are you guys ready? We have next week's show, which is the Luke Harper Brody Lee profile show. And then next, Mr. It's My Podcast, who seems to know everything about Wrestle Kingdom. Um, we are talking about the best Wrestle Kingdom matches as we will be coming up for one of the greatest wrestling events of the turn of the year. And then... The GOAT will be back in the hosting chair for the top 10 of 2021. And then we will also have our Christmas special, which I'm assuming will be Vistar 2.0, if Gary gets his way. Um, and that will be the last show of the year. And then we've got a whole plethora 
of stuff coming for you in the new year. But remember, also subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform and as well as social media. Remember our YouTube show, the very, very glorious Book It Conspiracy Theory, as well as Quiz Showdown, which is brought to you by Hockney's Hockey House. I bid you adieu, guys. Thank you. Hello, I am Jack Graham. I am Scott McLeod. And I'm David Hockney. And you can catch us hosting one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts, Saturday Draft Live. You can tune in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our Saturday Draft. As always, you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms.